Open it up to Matthew chapter 14. Just remain standing for just a few more moments if you can. Just want to stand for just a reading of God's word, something powerful about it. Matthew chapter 14, do you have it? We're going to read just two verses. Verse 13 says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. God bless this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, Occupy Hayward. Then you can be seated. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Here this morning, I know many of you, you've been watching the news. And how many of you, you have seen this Occupy, uh, what they call revolution taking place all over, um, not just America, but all over the world. How many of you have seen that on the news? You've been seeing it, right? Okay, many of you have. All right, some of you haven't. Uh, well, just in case you did not know, this is kind of a, kind of a you know, it's, it's a small little, what they would call, Revolution, but nevertheless, it is making an impact uh, from what I've seen and uh, even some of the research that I've been doing. Uh, you know, it started kind of here a little bit uh, as in a big way, call, calling it Occupy Wall Street. But actually, it's been taking place all over the world. Uh, you've been seeing it uh, taking place in, uh, there was a place called Tunisia, also in Egypt. All these uprisings that were taking place because of the government. And the thing about America is that we have a real strong government, so it's very difficult to uh, overthrow a government such as ours. But in smaller countries, you know, just get a few, actually thousands, a few thousand people, and they can pretty much invade the capital and they're going to take over that country. Uh, but here in America, uh, you pretty much, you'll get shot for sneezing next to the White House. You're like, don't go next to the White House, you're going to get shot right there. And uh, uh, our country is a little bit different. So here this morning, I don't, I'm not a politician. I don't want to talk to you about politics. I'm not here to uh, in, invade your political viewpoint. You can vote however you want. I'm really not all that involved in politics, and nor do I ever feel I will. I'll, uh, I'll get involved if they, uh, if they try invading my space, then I'm going to get involved. That's when we take a stand. And when the culture starts invading my convictions, that doesn't happen. And I won't let that happen. And, uh, and believe me, uh, we're, and we're getting close to a time such as that here within America. Travel the world, and you will see how the government has tried to dictate many of the convictions of churches. I'm telling you, it's a serious thing. And uh, you, you kind of like, well, the government said, well, what crosses the line? And I want to tell you something. What crosses the line, and we're going to be talking about here today, is our faith and what you believe in. What do you believe? And uh, I pray that you believe wholeheartedly. The word of God. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Here this morning, we're going to talk about occupying Hayward. 
As I did some research a little bit here on Occupy Wall Street, and as you even go online, you will see that they have many Occupy cities all over the country. You can go at any moment's notice live to that city and see what that city is doing. There are many people all over this country that are occupying their city's uh, uh, capital because they want to make a voice known for their purpose and for their allegiance. When you go on the website of Occupy Wall Street, this is what they say. This is word for word what they say, what the Occupy Wall Street is all about. It says, Occupy Wall Street is a people-powered movement that began on September 17, 2011 in Liberty Square in Manhattan's financial district and has spread to over 100 cities in the United States and actions in over 1,500 cities globally. There's a reason why I'm telling you this. Op Occupy Wall Street is fighting back against the corrosive power of major banks and multinational corporations over the democratic process and the role of Wall Street in creating an economic collapse that has caused the greatest recession in generations. The movement is inspired by popular uprisings in Egypt, uh, Tunisia, and aims to fight back against the richest 1% of people that are writing the rules of an unfair global economy that is foreclosing on our future. The occupations around the world are being organized using a non-binding consensus-based collective decisions making tool known as people's assembly. In other words, how they are getting power, how are they... They are, in our terms, fighting the power is they're coming together. That's the bottom line. They are coming together. Now, wh wh whatever you believe on their viewpoint of that politically, whether it's left, whether it's right, uh, I'm not here to preach that. But I want to tell you something. These men and these women, they are fighting the power by knowing that there is power in numbers. There's power in numbers. Now you're saying, well, what does that mean? What do you mean by numbers? I, I want to tell you something. I know a lot of times we, we look at churches and we look at people and sometimes we like to look down or, or even ourselves. We look at, at people that are growing. And it's a natural instinct within us whenever we see groups of people. or even, This even happens in churches when a one Bible study is getting bigger. Right away we say, oh, that's never going to work. Oh, that's not going to happen. We see groups of people and we say, oh, that, they, they don't know what they're doing. They're, they're, just, they're just a big mob. There's really nothing happening there. And it's a natural instinct for us whenever we see groups of people or something happening that is great and we go, oh, that's never going to work. Listen, I want to tell you something. There's going to be greatness in this church, not just because of the people, but because of the numbers that are taking place in this church. I believe that this church is not just going to stay at 120, at 150, 200 people, 300 people. But I believe that the numbers are going to begin to grow 400, 500, 1,000, 2,000 people here in this church. Do you believe that? If you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. Now, I know some of you right away, the instinct of you is like, wait, 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 hold on one second. Listen, if numbers wasn't a big deal, then it wouldn't be a book in the Bible. Numbers is a big deal. Because the more people we have in this church, prayerfully, the less people that would be going to hell. Are you hearing me this morning? We're going to occupy Hayward. 
There's going to be more people in this church. But see, you got to believe it. Don't let the, the, the regular past ways, past policies, past uh, ways of doing things, methods of doing things, stifle you from going on into the future and seeing greatness, not just for yourself, but for others around you. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to occupy Hayward. It's going to happen. But if we're going to occupy Hayward, if there's going to be a change, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I see some of the people that are out there. I've been watching the news. Some of them are hilarious. I want to tell you that. Some of them are funny. I, I know that, believe me, all the stuff that's been happening with the police, I'll, I'm praying for all those people. I really am. I'm praying for them that they don't put themselves in a position to get hurt. That's never a great thing to have. And I'm praying for them. I pray that God will be with them, will bless them. And hearing uh, some of them, it's funny because, you know, you'll see some reporters, and they go out there, and they pick them out on, on purpose or for whatever reason. They'll go out there and say, why are you out here? I go, I don't know. I'm just out here because there's a lot of people. You know, I just, I like it. It's cool, you know. And that's when, that's kind of a funny thing. I, I love that because that's victory outreach folk a lot of times. We just, we just out there just because we want to get crazy. No reason. We just want to get crazy. I don't know if you've ever been, like, talking to somebody before, right? Just talking, and all of a sudden you see somebody running. You ever seen that before? And they just start running. But you see them, like, running in a panic, and you're like, hey, 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 what, what happened? Why are you running? I don't know. I saw you running. I just wanted to. Was a dog chasing you? I don't know. I just wanted to run. Because we lie. It's, it's okay. That's, we're the type of focus that we need people. We see what others are doing. What are you doing? I want to do that. What are you? Are you a part of greatness? I want to be a part of that. See, that's the kind of people that we are. We want to be a part of greatness. And I believe that that's what this church, that that's what God has called this church to be, a part of greatness. Can I hear an amen? amen. See, there's going to be a flow of people that are going to be moving, and we want others to see what is going on. We're going to occupy Hayward through Victory Outreach. Can I hear an amen? But see, if that is going to happen, my friend, then there has to be a change. I know that we, if we're going to change Hayward first, we got to change us. I'm going to say this one more time. If we're going to change, if we're going to change the gang member, if we're going to change the drug addict, if we're going to change the millionaire, if we're going to change the businessman, if we're going to change the hard worker that goes out to work every day, then my friend, before they change, we got to change. We got to change ourselves. We can't just look at TV or look at the news or, or look at other people and say, man, that's just too bad for them. But we got to be able to get on our knees and say, okay, God, what is it that I can do to make a change within this climate? I don't want this to be the same city. I don't want this to be the same place that I was when I grew up. I know many of you, when you uh, talk about and think about the stories of old, you say, man, when I was growing up, it was hard, man. We had this and we had that. Well, my friend, if that's going to change, then we got to change. We got to change. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? I shared this story before. I'm going to say it one more time. It's one of my favorite stories. There's two construction workers. They'd taken a lunch break, and they opened up their lunch boxes. One of them looked inside of his lunch box, and he said, not bologna again. I can't believe it. I hate bologna. It's the third time this week that I've had bologna. I can't stand bologna. The other construction worker at him. Uh, other construction looked at him and said, why don't you just ask your wife to make you something different? He looked at him and replied, I don't have a wife. I made this myself. 
But the funny thing about it is that a lot of the baloney in our lives, we made ourselves. We did it ourselves. And we're crying out, man, there needs to be a change. Well, then make a different sandwich. Make something else. Oh, man, if, if they would just understand, oh, if the, if the prayer team, if the kids gang, if the youth, if they would just, no, my friend, it has to change within you. It's not, oh, man, if, if Will in the home, if, if they would help me, then, it, oh, my friend, we, listen, if we're going to occupy Hayward, we got to occupy us first. We got to change us first. We're not going to rely on the home. We're not going to rely on this. We're going to rely, okay, God, what do you want to do within me? What do you want to change within me? Look at your neighbor and say, within you. Now look at your other neighbor and say, he really meant within me. See, my friend, if there's going to be a change in our city, I believe that there's going to be a change within our church. But what is change? See, change is something that presses us out of our comfort zone. It is destiny filtered, heart grown, and faith built. Change is inevitable. It is not a respecter of persons. Change is for the better or for the worse, depending upon where you view it. It is uncomfortable. For changing from one state to the next upsets our control over our outcomes. Change has a ripping effect on those who will not let go. Change is needed when all the prompts and practices of the past no longer work for your present. Change is not comforted by the statement, just hang in there, but with the statement, you can make it. We don't grow and retreat, but, we, but through endurance. Change isn't fixed by crying, worrying, or mental treadmilling. Change is won by the victors and not the victims. And that morning, uh, this morning, that choice is ours. If there's going to be a change, then my friend, it's going to get you out of your comfort zone. Oh, but man, I'm used to, we're having it like this. Well, I'm used to having it like that. My friend, well, if there's going to be a change out there, there has to be a change right here. I know it's not easy, but my friend, there was large crowds that would follow Jesus. And we read that here in this scripture. That wherever Jesus went, there was crowds. See, before there was Occupy Wall Street, before there was Occupy Oakland, before there was Occupy Los Angeles or any other city, there was first Occupy Jesus. Because people always followed him. Why did they follow him? They followed him because they wanted a change. Are you guys hearing me this morning? See, they were following Jesus because they wanted their life to change. That was the first Occupy there ever was. That was the very first one. People think that Occupy Wall Street, well, this is new, this is fresh, we're going to change. No, 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 no. My friend, people always, they've always wanted change. They've always wanted it. But the best place, the best person to occupy is Jesus. Because Jesus, he will never lead you down the wrong path. The Bible says he will never leave you and never forsake you. So as we begin to follow Jesus, then my friend, watch what follows him. What follows him is going to be greatness. But if there's going to be greatness, there has to be a change within us. Can I hear an amen? Someone once said, it is strange that while praying, we seldom ask for a change of character, but we always ask for a change of circumstance. I believe that here this morning, if we are going to change the culture of our city, then we need to change the character of our lives. I'm going to say that one more time. If we are going to change the culture of our city, then we need to change the character of our lives. 
This is something that within us, I believe that this is why God has brought us to this church such as this. That God has brought us, and, and many of you here this morning, maybe even such like yourself or like myself, um, we, we didn't necessarily grow up a drug addict or a, a gang member, alcoholic. Matter of fact, let, let me just do this right, right now. I'm going to do my own little consensus. I'm going to make my own little. How many of you, you were a drug addict, and you know what I mean by addict. Like, I'm not talking like every once in a while, like, mm, okay, that was good, potpourri. Like, no, no, no. I'm talking, you were, you were a drug addict. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. All right, all right, okay. How many of you, you were an alcoholic? Now, I don't mean alcoholic, like, you know, on the weekends. I'm talking like, you know, you just, I needed the alcohol. Raise your hand. Y'all need Jesus, amen? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now, how I can go on and on. But how many of you, you were never an alcoholic, never a drug addict, or anything like that? Raise your hand. Never, you know. See? That was, that's actually quite a, quite a bit. See, I know a lot of times we look at, and you know, we'll look at Victory Hour and say, oh, they're a drug addict, and they're a gang member. And that's true. That's true. We were actually kind of founded upon that, right? Stella knows that, right, Stella? It's great to have Stella and Mia here. They're, they're here visiting from Fresno. Stella was our, our secretary uh, in Victory Outreach Hayward years ago. Uh, she was, how long were you the secretary for? Five years? Five, six years. She was our secretary for a number of years. And so to see her here, thank, thanks for coming on out and visiting. Let's give her a hand, amen. Come from Fresno. Awesome to see her. Now, we know that the anointing of Victory Outreach is to reach the gang members. Reach the drug addict, reach the down and out, reach the homeless, reach the helpless. Those who really that uh, were a people that were not a people. That nobody could really say, oh, they're going to do great. Actually, when you look at them and say, uh, they're, uh, I don't know if they're going to do anything, actually. That's kind of the category of where we were at. But see, the realization of whether you were a drug addict or not, that without Christ, you're still going to the same hell as a drug addict. Same one. So whether you did that or not, it's not so much the character of changing your clothes, because a drug addict can change their clothes. They don't do it as much, but they could. A gang member, they could change their clothes. Anybody, they could change your clothes. We're not, I'm not talking about changing your clothes. I'm talking about changing the character and who you are as a man and as a woman. Never a gang member, never a drug addict, but I'm going to tell you something. It's just something about when I'm on the streets and I see a gang member and everyone else. It's funny, man. I, I trip out on this. We're tripping today, man. I trip out on this. You know, I'll be in, in a room, whether it's like even the other day. It was a jack-in-the-box, right? And we're there. You know, you see a gangster or a, a thug, you know, as you will. Like, oh, there's a thug. And you see some people, right, they, they walk, uh, they'll walk in and they'll see somebody. You know, they, they just look like, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to rob me. You know, they, you know, they have that look, right? Because all of a sudden they walk into Jack in the Box, right? They're just walking in. Oh, okay, I'm going to go. Oh, my gosh, uh, thugs. Uh, uh, maybe let's go to another Jack in the Box. Uh, hold, do, you have your, do you have my purse? Let's hold, hold your purse. Hold your purse. Okay. Wallet? Okay, I got my wallet. got my keys. Okay. Uh, uh, are you in line? Yes, I'm in line, but go ahead. You can go in front of me. You can go in front of me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go in front of me. Go in front of me. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, what am I going to order? What am I going to order? I got to be quick. got to be quick. You know, and, you know, they, they kind of have that. And the funny thing about it is that when I go in there, I, no, I wasn't a gang member. I wasn't a drug addict. 
But the funny thing is, I'll go in there, I'll walk in there, and I'm like, dude, I need to get in line right behind that guy because I'm going to tell him something. You know, that's my mindset. <laughs> that's my mindset. Like, dude, I'm like, get up out of the way. I'll, I'll talk to him. Don't worry about it. And believe me, if you know me, I'll figure out a way to talk to him. I will. I've done it plenty of times. I've bumped into people by accident, right? I do that by accident sometimes. I'll be like, oh, oh excuse me. Oh, man, sorry. You know, I just start striking up a conversation because I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's like, man, it's something inside. But now that as you begin to study and find out even more, you know what it is, is that God has occupied my life. The character of who I am has changed. And because the character of who, was I, of who I am has changed, not my clothes, not my hairstyle, not this. But what has changed is the character in me that I want to do what God has called me to do. Give the Lord a hand of praise if you want to do what the Lord has called you to do. See, you will answer your call when your character is in line with it. You will be able to answer your call when your character is in line with your call. Are you hearing me this morning? See, there's a couple things that I want to talk to you about, and then we're done. As far as changing, the things that change, the things that are going to change, I believe, within our lives. See, number one, look with me in Luke chapter 19. We're going to read just a, a couple different stories. And in Luke chapter 19, there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And in verse 2 it says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was called, he was a chief co tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. Notice how whenever things are always taking place, there's always a big crowd around. You know, I know we talk a lot about having, you know, being intimate and personal with God. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And we're going to be talking about that come January. We're going to be talking about intimacy and, and, and personal touch with God. But I want to let you know something. Don't deny the fellowship of the brothers. Don't deny. There's something about a crowd. There's something that takes place when we come together. There's something about an assembly. It's just when you come together and there's a large assembly. I mean, Raiders do that every Sunday. Niners do it every Sunday. There's just 11 of them that are on the field, 52 of them that come together and play, but there's about 60,000 that assemble together because there's something about when thousands come together. There's like, I, I can't explain it to you. And there was this man by the name of Zacchaeus. He knew that. So rather than saying, you know what, he's a wealthy man, the Bible says, rather than saying, you know what, I got a lot of money. Here, go get this Jesus guy. Let me give you about a good 10 million of this and go get this Jesus guy. I want him to come on over to my house and I want him to do his magic or whatever this guy does. I want him to come on over and here, you know what, and even if he wants to bring a couple people here, here's some extra money. The Bible says he was wealthy. He could have done that, easily just given money to say, hey, invite this guy, because that's what a lot of politicians do. They'll just, hey, I'll throw money at it, I'll throw money at it, I'll throw money at it. But Zacchaeus, he didn't do that. He said, you know what, if I'm going to change, then I got to go. If I'm going to change, then I got to get out there. If I'm going to see a change within my household, then I got to get out there. Are you catching me here this morning? So Zacchaeus, the first thing that began to change is his attitude. His attitude changed. He didn't say, well, I got a whole lot of money. And, you know, because a lot of times when you got the most money, you think you got the most power. That's what money will do to you, right? Money does that to you. Whenever you, you, you feel like, okay, well, you know what? And it also makes you feel happy, right? Oh, man, you get that extra bonus. You're like, woo, great, man. But you hear a lot. Some of the richest people in the world are some of the most depressed people in the world. 
And you wonder why, man, how, dude, this guy's got like $20 million he made on his last movie, and he's already on his fourth wife? What's going on here? Because money won't buy you happiness. It really won't. Now, on the flip side, I don't want to degrade the finances either because resources are a part of what God wants to do. Because the Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Right? So how much money can you have? As much as you don't love. That's as much money as you can have. The problem is people love money too much. That's why it takes over their life. Money just takes over their web. I got to have it. I got to have money. I got to work. I got to work. I'm going to overtime, triple overtime, quadruple overtime. I'm just going to live here. And so it sucks your life. It sucks your character, who you are. And so what happens is when the money or whatever it is, not just money, but when it takes your character, it takes your call. And so you're never able to really fully walk into the call that God has for your life. So the first thing that Zacchaeus knew and understood, he said, look, if there's going to be a change in this house, then it's going to start with me. The Bible says, as for me and my, okay, but the first words are as for me. Are you catching me? As for me, man, if she would just change, you know what? God, you, you gave me this wife. You gave her to me. God, if you don't change her, I'm going to rearrange her, God. Because the Bible says to submit, and woman, you better submit. You want to teach you what submit is? Oh, man, I, 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 was, I used to watch Hulk Hogan, woman. Get over here. See these pythons? Oh, yeah. So a lot of times that happens. But the thing about it is that where husbands forget, you know, the Bible says, yes, as for me and my house, but it says, as for me. So me first. Oh, man. You first? Yes, you first. Come on, husband. Come on, dad. You first. Oh, well, we're in this together. Yes, you are in this together, of course. You're back to back. But you're the head. You're the front. You first. And if you want your house to change, well, then you change first. Change the attitude. Believe me, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. I'm not giving you stuff that right away, like, this is magic. Do this and, oh, man, everything. No, my friend, this is going to come over time. This comes over time. But the thing is, the first thing about change is that you got to identify. And Zacchaeus identified being a short man. He was, the Bible says that he was even short. He could have been complexed. Short people are always complexed. I know I was short. I was. I know somebody like well, he doesn't look short. Well, I'm on a stage right now, amen. I'm on a stage, but man, I grew up. I grew up short all my life in basketball and baseball. I was always, always the shortest guy on the team. One year was the only year in my all of the sports that I played in 20 years. Only one year I was not the shortest guy on my team. Once. So I was always short. So I, I'm, and short guys talk long neck. That's just the way that it works. You got to make up for something, right? And so the Bible says Zacchaeus was being a short guy, so, and being a politician, and being wealthy, so he probably was able to talk. He probably had a few things he could have did that he should have did, but he said, no, you know what? I, I know I got a lot of money. I'm probably even wearing something expensive, but the Bible says that Zacchaeus went over, over to a tree, didn't care what the tree was dirty or not, climbed it, and said, okay, 
if I'm going to get to the next level, then I'm going to change my attitude. See, the moment you change your attitude, you will be able to climb something and go to the next level. That's what happened with Zacchaeus. He changed his attitude and everything else went to the next level. Just like that. As simple as that. Listen, my friend, if you want to see a change in your, in your church, if you want to see a change in your home, if you want to see a change in your family, then, my friend, simple as that. Just change the attitude. Change the attitude. It's, it's just a part of it. It's a small part. It's not the, the, the major part or the, the everything part, but it's a small part. But I, I'm going to tell you something. It plays a big part as you go along in your Christian walk. Can I hear an amen? amen. The second thing, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Verse 16, talking about change. First we've seen the change of attitude. Now in Matthew chapter 13, verse 16, it says, But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The second thing that begins to change is our perception. Our perception, our perspective. See, if we want there to be a change out there, then there's got to be a change in what we see. See, I shared it earlier about how many people, they'll go and they'll see someone as a, 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 who could rob them, someone who will uh, take from them. But us as Victory Outreach, we see, man, oh, there's greatness in that young man right there. There's greatness in that woman. All right, now she's hurting. She's getting, she's getting all these tattoos to try to hide as much as she can. She's trying to do all these things and trying to do all this stuff to her body just so that someone would pay attention to her. But I know God's got her attention. God's looking down at her. God's got a plan for her life. She's going out there selling her body, but her, the, the price for her body has already been paid. It's already been paid. God's got something great for her. See, my friend, if there's going to be a change of perception out there, then there has to be a change of perception in here and who we are. See, there's greatness taking place within our church, but can you see it? There's greatness taking place, not so much of, a, of what you may see, not just with your eyes, but with your spiritual eyes. Not just what you see with your natural eyes, but with your spiritual eyes. You've got to change your perception. There's a story of a heart surgeon. This heart surgeon had took his car to a local garage for a regular, his regular service where he usually exchanged a little friendly banter with the owner who was a skilled but not especially wealthy mechanic. So tell me, the mechanic says, I've been wondering about what we both do for a living and how much more you get paid than I do. Yes, the surgeon says. Well, look at this, says the mechanic as he worked on a big, complicated engine. I check how it's running. I open it up, fix the valves, and put it all back together so it works good as new. So we basically do the same job, don't we? And yet you get paid ten times more than what I do. How do you explain that? The surgeon thought for a moment and smiling gently said, try it with the engine running. Let that settle in for a quick second. That heart doctor changed his perception. See, because a lot of times we always say, man, how come they got it better? Why are they? How come it's them? How come they get all the greatness? How come they get all good? How come they're always happy? Change the perspe perception of what you got. 
You've got greatness. You've got it there. But you're always looking at what everyone else has. All you got to do, look at, just work on your own thing right there. Just work on that. You'll be all right. You'll be fine. Look at, once you work on that and put that together, I'm telling you, there's going to be greatness inside of that. I know that many a times, and listen to me, especially I want the leaders to hear me on this one. All the leaders, hear me especially. A lot of times we look at other people's and others' others ministry and saying, how come they got it? How come they're, man, how come him? How come her? Why is she? That's not your ministry. You have your ministry. Put greatness inside of your ministry. Because I want to tell you something. It's not so much the ministry as it is the minister. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That, de- that deserves a little Bishop Macklin right there. <laughs> See, a lot of times we look at, oh, man, the, their ministry, well, they get this. And when they, well, my friend, it, it, everything we always hear about, we, it, everything rises and falls on leadership. It's on leadership. That's what it is. If this church is going to grow, it's based upon you as a leader. Now, now I'm not talking necessarily even the leader that you're a titled leader here within this church. I'm talking about men and women that want to take the lead in your culture. The men and women that want to take the lead in your community. The men and women that want to take the lead in your household. That's what I'm talking about. That you want to take the lead right there and right then. So don't look and say, man, our family, this whole household would be way better if we just had their money. Well, you've got your money and you've got greatness happening in your life. It's there. It's right there. It's right in front of you. But don't look at this. Man, they got ten times more. They got ten times. Well, that's all right. You've got the exact amount of time that you need. And that's all you need. It's just the perception. The third thing and the last thing here this morning, and we're talking about changing and occupying. Talking about changing attitude, changing perception. Now, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Very famous portion of scripture, and I'm not going to too much belabor on it. I'd love to really dive into this. I got to make a whole two-part series just on this alone. But in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. But I like this. This is cool, man. Even though Jesus said, I'm already going to do it. Don't worry about it. I'll go heal him. This centurion, man. This is, this is, look at what he tells Jesus. He tells the Messiah, the greatest man to ever live. This is what he tells him. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. And that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus had heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Talked about changing our attitudes. Then once our attitude changes and we go to the next level, we're able to see better and our perception changes. Then once we see better... And we're able to apply, now our outcomes change. See, the outcome of this centurion changed. It all changed because Jesus said right away, he's going to be healed. 
right now. What do you mean? Right now? Right now. You mean like right now, right now? Not later, later? Right now, right now? Right now. Oh, man. I wasn't expecting that. But man, See, because you saw what he wanted you to see, and you're able to do what he wants you to do, then he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Are you understanding me here this morning? Now that you see what he wants you to see, and you're going to do what he wants you to do, he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Your outcome will change. I love this about the centurion, man. This is great because right away, the centurion's like, oh, well, man, I don't even deserve for you to even come into my house. See, a lot of people feel that they deserve to be treated a certain way. I deserve it. This, this is my seat. I deserve this seat. I've been working at this job for over 60, 100 years I've been working at this job. Even before this job was created, I created this job. Now, I'm, I'm not knocking any sort of commitment or consistency or faithfulness at your job. I believe if you've worked there and you've had a tenure, you deserve certain perks that your job allows you to. I'm talking about when people try to mess with your character and you feel, oh, I deserve this. Let's, let's just be honest. The one thing that you deserve, the Bible says, is you deserve death, hell, and the grave. That's what you deserve. I'm not talking about your job. I'm not even talking about this church. I'm talking about when somebody tries to mess with your character. And they try to blow your character's cover. I'm talking about that. And they mess with you. You ever had somebody do, do that to you? And they even do that on purpose? Just to mess with you? They're like, man, you are lucky I'm saved. You just don't know who you messing with. You see this tattoo right here? You see this thing? You see this right here? You see the top? I got a big old fat tat on the back right here, man. I'll take your shirt off and show you right here. That's the ladies right there. I will show you. Right here. Because we feel like we deserve. I deserve this. I deserve to be in this leader. I deserve. Listen, my, my friend, uh, this, this city doesn't even deserve victory outreach, but God said, I'm going to put a victory outreach there anyways. I'm going to put one there. This city don't deserve it. This city actually deserves to go to hell. Uh, look, look, I want you to look. Now I'm talking doctrinally. Yes, this city deserves to go to hell. Without Jesus Christ, every city deserves to go to hell. That's what we deserve. We deserve that. But because of his grace and his mercy, listen to me real quick, Victory Outreach, because of his grace, that's a powerful, powerful thing. right? I, that's one word, but I'm going to tell you something. That one word goes a long way. And his mercy, now listen, for his grace and his mercy to operate on earth, it takes our faith. Are you hearing me? I'm going to say this one more time. His grace and his mercy 
the grace that he gives us goodness and happiness and joy, things that we don't even deserve. And his mercy, the death, hell, and the grave, and his vengeance, and his, his, his just being able to take us all out and wipe us out like he did in the days of Noah, his mercy, but holding it back, it's only able to operate in our faith. I have not seen no greater faith in all of Israel than I see in this centurion. See, Jesus, when he would go around in the crowds, he was always, always looking at their, always. When he was in the boat, and they got all scared. Do you remember that? They got all scared. All the disciples, oh, my God, we're going to die. We're going to die. I don't know if, he, if Peter said it like that. Maybe he did. I don't know. But big, bad Peter. You know how big bad guys, even when they get into tough situations, oh God, oh God, you know, high pitched like a, oh my God. But when you're gonna die, you throw everything out the window. I don't even care. And so you got these guys, they're there in the boat, and Jesus gets up, walks over, calms the seas, calls the storms, and he goes over to them and says, You of little. Always looking at their faith. The Bible says in Mark chapter 8 how he, he would go to the city and he tried to perform miracles. And he did a few, but he had to leave the city because their lack of It was always faith. Christ was always trying to get to the disciples faith. He even, oh man, this is, I think, even one, probably one of the most demeaning yet encouraging stories you'll ever read in the Bible. Jesus gets the disciples, brings a child over, and says, hey, you wanted to get into heaven? Then you got to have, like this child. He was always getting to their faith. The attitude, the perspective, and the outcomes all are linked to our, it's all linked to our faith. See, there will be a change in our city. If there is an uprising of our faith, that's how there will be a change in our city. But we need to believe it. Faith is the evidence. I'm going to say this one more time. Faith is the evidence. We always talk about faith. Okay, I don't see it, but I believe it. Okay, that's true. But faith, there's evidence to it. In other words, if you go to the judge... And you say, Your Honor, I am here, and this man, he's a guilty man. Yeah. And the judge says, okay, he's guilty. All right, prove it. Well, the evidence shows that this man, and the judge says, okay, where's the evidence? Uh, well, um, uh, that's what I'm telling you, Your Honor. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And the judge will say, no, 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 no. You're a good guy. I'll take your word for it. You got a nice suit on. That's great. But where's the evidence? Well, he's, uh, sorry, I can't do it. I have no evidence. See, the judge, our judge, our final judge, he's looking down in the city of Hayward, and he says, okay, there's going to be a change. We want to see a change in Hayward. Yes, hallelujah. We can praise and we can worship and we can come here and we can get on our knees and we can pray and we can do all that great stuff and it would be great. And we can even assemble together and we can lift our hands and shake each other's hands and say, man, great to see you. But without faith, 
it's all for nothing. There has to be evidence. Faith without works is, this city will die without our, listen to me, church. This city, they don't even know it, but they're relying on our faith. Not just Victory Outreach, but Templos, over there, Church of God in Christ, Glad Tidings. They're relying on our faith, Acts Full Gospel. They're relying on this city's, these churches. They're relying on our faith. They don't know it. They're going about their daily routine. I'm just going to go to work, do what I got to do, and let things happen, and, you know, however the chips may fall. All right. You see, you and I, we know the difference. We've been a part of the crowds. We've been seeing the healings taking place. Wherever Jesus goes, man, hey, I want, I want to go follow. Is he over there on the shoreline? I'm going to go to the shore. Is he in the towns and villages? I'm in the towns and villages. So we've been seeing all this. We've been seeing all this greatness happen. Some of you, you've been here in this church, and you've been seeing all the greatness transpiring within this church. You've been seeing miracles happen, healings happen. Now it's time to take this faith outside the walls. It's, I, I want to say something. I was really praying about this as I was putting this message together. And I was saying, God, man, there's a few ministries that, man, they're, they're just heavy upon my heart. Heavy upon my heart. Now, believe me, uh, I believe every ministry makes up the body of this church. But there's a few key components that I believe that we have in this ministry of Victory Outreach as a whole, Hayward, that are very key to us right now. Very key, man. I, I'm very thankful for and grateful for. I love it. And these are just three ministries. That, believe me, there's like 20, 30 that I believe. Oh, man. But there's one, man. I'm really thankful for our kids' gangs ministry. Man, I'm so thankful for them. Because they invest in our future. And they make sure that our future is going to be stable. Look, I know we're trying to occupy Wall Street. Let's just occupy our children's church. Let's occupy that. Well, let's change. Watch. We're going to change the future. Okay, you want to change the future? They're right over there inside there. They're four years old. And they're repeating everything you say. Occupy the future, occupy your present. There they are. I want to challenge somebody. If you get an opportunity, go over there and see Sister Gina. Man, we need all the help we can get right there. Powerful. Another ministry, we don't have it, but this is a powerful, powerful ministry. Now, remember, this is something that God's been weighing heavy upon my heart, is that another ministry would be the orphanage ministry. We don't have one, but God has a special place for orphans. He does. Read it for yourself, the book of James. These orphans that, man, think about this. They're fatherless and motherless. See, some of you, you grew up fatherless. Well, I didn't have a dad. Okay, well, you had a mom or a grandma, someone. Some of you might have had that. Now, some of you, you might not have had either, and so you have the understandings of an orphan. Well, that's what an orphan is. An orphan is somebody who's been rejected by their own Family. By their own family. Not society. You were rejected by society. You're an orphan of society. All right. Well, welcome to the club. Amen. But an orphan is somebody who's been rejected by their family. And said, I don't even want you. I believe that God has a special place. A special place for these young men and these young women. 
I look forward to having men and women in our church that are going to take in orphans. They're going to take them in and say, other people see money that they got to spend. Other people say headaches and heartaches in these children. But me, I see greatness. I see greatness. And another ministry, and the third one, the last one, I was really thinking about it too, was a ministry. I don't know if they still do it, but Joe and Cecilia, they would go to the convalescent hospitals. You guys still do that? That's a great one. I don't know if you do. I remember when you did. I remember because I, I think I went with you one time. A couple times we went. As a youth pastor, I, I went because uh, she challenged me. She, you should come. All right, I'll go. And the funny thing about it is that our men's home used to be a convalescent hospital. That's what our men's home was for a number of years. It was a convalescent hospital. And some of the, the greatest men that we've had come through our church and are now pastors. They got saved in that home. They were there. And uh, so I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the kids' ministry and orphans, but also the con- because. And Cecilia was breaking it down to me. She was telling me about it. She says, oh, the convalescent hospital, we pray for them because pretty much who thinks about afterlife more than them? Good point. Good point. So you and I, many of us, we think, oh, I got the rest of my life ahead of me. I got, oh, man, I got tomorrow. No problem. You go to the convalescent hospital, they don't know if they got tomorrow. Many of them, they don't know that. They got needles hooked up to them. They got wires keeping them alive. That's the only thing keeping them alive. So you and I, we got jobs. Some of us, we got family. We got a car. We got got a few things. You may not have everything, but you got a few things. Go to the convalescent hospital. All they got is what's in that room. That's basically keeping them alive. And hopefully, family might come visit them. Hopefully. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. So all they really have is their faith in knowing that, hey, when I'm gone, if I lay my head on this pillow and I wake up, but I don't wake up on this earth, I want to wake up with Jesus right there when I open my eyes. So those ministries, I was thinking about, I was like, man, the kids' ministry. And it's kind of funny how there's like the, the, the ends, right, the beginning and the end, kind of, you think about it. You got your kids' ministry. You got your convalescent hospital. But these are kind of some very, very important ministries that I believe that if who we are as Victory Outreach is going to reach out to, man, these are some powerful ones. Because our anointing, you, you need to know something. The moment you walk into this church, there's something about, I can't explain it to you, whether you were on drugs or a gang member or not. You're going to be able to leave out of this room, see a gang member, and lay hands on them, and they're going to get changed. But know something, it's not you. It ain't me. I just can't explain it to you. I want to challenge you. Try that. Just try it. Walk up to a gang member, somebody that you think, man, this guy might rob me. Just walk up to him. Walk right up to him. No reason. No flyers. I need flyers. You don't need no flyer. You're the flyer. Walk up to him. Walk right up to him. And just say, hey, I want to pray with you. And trust me, you will be amazed. How did this? It's the anointing. It's the anointing. But this one, these kids. And our hospital ministry, man, this is something that's been weighing heavy on my heart, man. Heavy on my heart. So that's why tonight we're going to do, do something very, very special. Something very special. Bring your tennis shoes. Put your tennis shoes on. Bring your jeans out. Get some warm clothes. 
and we're going to take this message. We're going to take it, and we're going to go occupy Hayward. We're going to go occupy Hayward tonight. We're going to let faith arise tonight. The faith that we feel that you're here in this place, and you're saying, man, God, you're doing something great in my life. Wow, I don't know what it is. We're going to take this faith, and we're going to go occupy Hayward. We're going to occupy the gang member. We're going to occupy the homeless. We're going to occupy the drug addict with our faith. With our faith. It's the faith. God was always astonished at faith, whether it was a lack of it or a lot of it. He was always astonished at faith. He was astonished at the uh, centurions, greater faith. And he was always astonished at the disciples, their lack of faith. Man, your lack of faith. He was always amazed at faith. I pray that tonight, God will be astonished at our faith. At our faith. Some of you, you want the greatness of Christmas at your household. I believe that every single one of you will. And so right now, many of us, we're thinking, oh, man, i, I got to buy my kids the best. I want to buy my kids. And I, your kids will get the best. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that. You're going to get blessed. But the thing about it is that it's more blessed to give than to receive. See, there's something about it. You're blessing your children, but they're yours. So you know. You can even take it away from them. Hey, you ain't even heard that. You've been crying too much. Give me that thing. You want to know the true test of a Christian? Two true test of a Christian that really loves God and believes his word and walks in his faith and abides in him and he abides in you? Is that when you begin to bless others, that it doesn't matter what you get in return. That you just bless them. You want to bless them. Okay, here, I'm going to give you this, but you got to scratch my back. Here. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to wash your back. Well, you need a bath? Hey, come on over. We'll give you a bath. Man, I remember. I grew up. Our people coming to my house and getting baths, putting them in the showers. Young guy, young kid, people come to my house. And what I thought as a 10-year-old kid, like, dude, you're in my shower. Get out of my shower, dude. I remember that. My parents allowed me to come on over. It's all right. You need a bath? Come on over. Use our bathtub. Here's a shower. Here's some shampoo. Toothpaste. Go for it. Say, man. But the faith this church is built on, let's not lose it. Let's not lose it. But also, let's not look at it. Let's not look at it either. Listen, this, this, is a, this is an interacting church, an applying church. Let's not be amazed at what we see with great churches. Man, they got 10,000 people. Look at that pastor. Oh, man, they're great. Wow. Man, that's a great. We look at their faith and we go, wow. And then we leave the church and we're the same. See, God looks at us and he looks down and he's amazed at our lack of faith. We look at great men and we say, wow. That's a great man of faith. God looks down at us and says, wow, there's no great faith. I pray that that would not be for Victory Outreach Hayward. Listen, whether you're able to come out with us tonight or not, I want to challenge you. Go to your neighbors or uh, a neighbor 
in the neighborhood that you've been hearing, man, they've been fighting. You know, you have that neighbor. I don't know if you have those. I got those, those neighbors that they're constantly fighting. You hear them all the time. I mean, they're fighting so much that even their kids are fighting over just the toys on fighting. So we just fight. Let's just fight. Ah, we won't fight. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit. Listen, listen to me. The peacemakers. Peacemakers are not people who are like, uh, excuse me, uh, can, can you be quiet, please? See, a lot of times when we hear peacemakers, we think peacemakers are librarians. Peacemakers are not librarians. I love librarians, but that's not what peacemakers are. That's not what he was talking about. Peacemakers are people, you got to remember this. Peacemakers only go to make peace where there's war. That's the only place that peacemakers go. You can't go and bring peace where everything is still. Okay, everybody, uh, stop doing what you're already not doing. Peacemakers go in there and say, hey, hey, get off those drugs. Hey, put down that 40, man. You're drowning out your sorrows in that thing. Hey, you don't have to sell your body no more. Quit doing that. God's got a plan for your life. Hey, go into the jails, go to the prison, say, hey, I know you're locked up behind these bars, but there's freedom in Jesus Christ. Or we go out there to Hayward and say, hey, Hayward, listen, God's got a plan for this city. We are going to occupy Hayward for God's honor and God's glory. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands with me here this morning. We're going to occupy Hayward. We're going to occupy your family. We're going to occupy. It's going to occupy this school system. We're going to occupy. It's going to occupy. Something's going to happen. But before we occupy the school system, before we occupy the city, before we occupy the drug addict, the gang member, before we occupy all this stuff that is happening around us, we need God to occupy inside of us. Occupy our attitudes, our perspectives, and then watch. When that happens, then there's an outcome, a changing in the outcome. Things are going to happen. Things are going to begin to change within your family. Things are going to begin to change within your finances. Things are going to begin to change within your friends. Watch what happens, my friend. There's going to be a change in this city. There's going to be a change in our culture. There's going to be a change in this atmosphere. There's going to be a change. There's going to be a change. There's going to be a change. But you got to say, God, change me first. Change me first. God, let there be a change in my life. Let there be a change in my thinking. Let there be a change in my walk. Let there be a change in my ways, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. As it begins to sing this song, I want you to slip out of your seat right now. If you feel compelled and you say, you know what? I want there to be something changed within my life. Change within my heart. If there's going to be a change in my city, there's going to be a change within me. Come on, slip out of your seat right now.